everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 239. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 176, The Autumn Spectre. Kind of a, a style that I like where it's one episode, but it's broken up into sort of smaller segments. Yeah, and here's a trivia question. Have they mentioned specifically Halloween and Night Vale before, because I seem to remember for at least a few years, it was almost like they were challenging themselves to not talk about Halloween right before yeah. Halloween, because of course, Night Vale is just so inherently spooky anyway. Yeah, which is funny, because that is sort of the theme of the stories. Cecil wanted to tell us three spooky stories, and they all fit a particular theme, and the way they sort of fit in with the general idea of Nightville, I thought was really clever. It was, and the way he told each one of the stories, and it's all familiar ones, like the babysitter at home at night, and like the calls coming from inside the house, and then uh, the girl with the green ribbon around her neck, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Bloody Mary, that sort of story, and he's telling it pretty much exactly the way I remember telling spooky stories to each other when we were like in elementary school, where you really drag out the details. Oh, yeah. Boy, the green ribbon one, that is probably, as a kid, I think that one disturbed me more than others, not just because her head falls off, but I could never stop thinking about the idea that she lived her whole life with that one tiny fragile thing keeping her head from falling off. Right. That creeped me the hell out. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Should we spoil what happens in every single one of the stories? I suppose we probably should. Great big spoiler warning. You guys need to listen to the episode anyway, because it's all kinds of fun. But let's see, um, the babysitter at home alone getting all the creepy calls. Well, it turns out it was the two kids that she's babysitting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were they making were, the calls. They were screwing around with her. And then the one with Bloody Mary, Carlos was the one actually running an experiment and nothing happened for a while and a figure appears and then gets kind of pissed off because she's just like, God, this time of year, I just get all these giggling teenagers and they never pay me anything. And Carlos actually gave her some stuff towards starting your own union, and um, she offered to rip his face off anyway, and he was like, no, 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 and Cecil just reminded everybody, you've got to pay your spectral spirits. My God, they deserve to get paid. Yeah, and then the green ribbon one was, you know, the man and woman and getting married, but the woman never tells the husband what the green ribbon around her neck is about, just that he won't like what's underneath it. Well, they get really old, and uh, they're probably close to death, I guess, and he finally convinces her to take the ribbon off, and she does, and there's a tattoo saying goth life on her neck, which she said, (laughs) I got this tattoo when I was in high school, and I kind of outgrew it, and he said, yeah, it is kind of embarrassing, but it's also really cool. I like it. And she never wore the green ribbon ever again. I like that one. (laughs) That was a good one. I like that. But the whole time this is going on, Cecil's like telling these supposed to be scary stories that don't end up being scary at all. Meanwhile, the intern is acting really weird down at the end of the hall. Yeah, and Cecil's just having these bizarre, not terrified reactions to the fact that the intern hands him the copy for, I think it was the traffic report, only it was incomplete, and it was like the ink was still wet, and it was all red, and then <laughs> Cecil has to tell him to not wear the burlap sack with the jack-o'-lantern painting on the front of it, because it's really cool, but it's not up to the dress code. 
and then mm-hmm. sends him out to go get lunch, and he comes back with a knife, and Cecil's like, uh, did you get my lunch? If you did, you don't need to cut my sandwich in half. So, of course, Cecil's just totally clueless to what's going on around him, as per usual. Yeah, yeah, and just when James seems to be coming down the hall towards him with the knife, he decides to take us to the weather, of course. <laughs> just right in the middle of everything, went straight to the weather. Now, I was having trouble hearing some of the lyrics, and I couldn't find copies of the lyrics. The weather this time was called Weatherweight by Nels Andrews. Welterweight. That's a boxing oh, sorry. term. Welterweight, yes. And I, when I started hearing the lyrics, I thought he was talking about a stage production, but it Me was too. actually about a boxing match, wasn't it? I guess so. It was hard to hear exactly what he was saying, but I thought he sounded a little bit like the singer that you particularly like who comes on for the weather every once in a while. Oh, crap. I can't even think. Wait a minute. Oh, so, I, I bet you I, I'm, I'm going to, I can find this. I can find this. <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm trying to think of like one line from one of his songs. This too shall pass. Yes. Um, Danny Schmidt. Just sounded enough like Danny Schmidt that I was sitting here going, is that Danny Schmidt? No, it's not. It, Nels Andrews yeah. is the name of that. But guy, I but liked it very much. It was a ballad. It was, nice. it was uh, started out with violin and just very folksy. Very yeah. cool. I want to be able to find the lyrics so I can peruse them a little bit more closely. Yeah. But we come back from the weather, and Cecil's fine, of course. And anytime we come back from the weather after something like that, Cecil's just fine. But the thing was, is that James was definitely not a malevolent spirit, but he was kind of a spirit? He was an intern, but his application to be an intern to the radio station had been put in, like, I don't know, 200 years ago, something like that. But before he could become an intern, he was hit by a train and died. And then somehow the accident, the train tracks caused the train tracks to be demolished and they built the radio station on top of where the accident had taken place. And then, of course, Cecil goes to HR. It's just like his application is over 100 years old. And they're like, what are you going to do? We'll get to him when we get to him. It's fine. You know, but um, yeah. So James really, really had always wanted to be an intern. So even in death, he was an intern. Yeah. But then suddenly the autumn specter appears behind Cecil and has its huge sigh that it's going to attack Cecil. And James, the ghostly intern, jumps in front of the blade and disappears in a poof of light and saves Cecil's life. And that's it. And then Cecil says to the family and friends of intern James, like they do for every (laughs) single intern on this show. But he's like, it wasn't a really great intern. I mean, he wasn't always on top of his writing assignments and everything, but he did save my life, you know? So that's... So, yeah. And that was was it. That was a very good little encapsulated Halloween story from Night Vale. Exactly what I've come to admire about this show. Which is, that's why I loved how they did all the stories, because every single story that he's telling kind of starts out scary, but then is not. Meanwhile, what's going on in the radio station itself is way more scary. And so that's, that's <laughs> Night Vale, of course. Night Vale all over. Yep. So I guess after that, we'll move on to the weekly sit rep. And I don't know. Ugh, Hang on. I'm going to want I have to put. A, I've got a bottle cap. Uh, there we go. You're probably not going to want to put this entire thing in here because it might take a moment. But uh, 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 Is that a bottle opener? Yes, I have a bottle of. There we go. Prickly pear wine that I started Ooh. last year, and it has been oh, wow. aging in the bottle for 
I guess about eight months now, and I just put in a new batch of prickly pear to uh, ferment. So wow. I decided this would be the time to actually decant it and give it a try. So you've not tested it at all. You have no idea what it's. I have. Like. I actually, when I first bottled it, I had like a little bit left over, and I drank some of it, and it was drinkable. But I don't know what, what it's like after it's you know been aging for eight months. Ooh, very sweet. Hmm, really sweet and very tart. Oh, nice. Wow, it's that kind of tart that's almost salty. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy cow. Mm. So it's almost like a sour, really. It is, very much so. It's kind of cloudy. I need to work on, I don't know anything about the chemical process. There's all sorts of things that you can add oh, yeah. and adjust to get away cloudiness and reduce sediment and all that stuff. But yeah, it's drinkable. So I'm going to call that's this good. a success. Nice, and nice. What are you drinking? Well, I usually I have my Stone IPA, but this time I got a Stone Delicious IPA, Ooh. and it's in a bottle. Got to be careful with it though. My regular Stone IPA is six point nine alcohol content. This is a seven point seven. So you gotta, yeah. But it is. I mean, it's actually a little, just slightly less hoppy, I think, than the other IPA. Which means I'd be more likely to. Uh, You'd actually be more enjoy likely it. to like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I like it because it's different than what I've been drinking lately. But um, I like the hoppiness. But yeah. yeah. So, sit rep. Yeah, as far as what's going on, um, God, how does one even begin? Um, as we talk now, there's going to be another presidential debate on Thursday. And it's already looking like the president's going to find a way to say that it's been weighted against him because he's sure. demanded a topic change, which I don't know that the debate committee is going to agree with. And I think the debate committee has said they will be muting either Biden or Trump at times when the other person is talking to wow. avoid all that interrupting, which Trump, of course, is going to say is totally not fair. So, yeah. yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter had said that at one point, because this is when everybody was after the first one, they're saying, oh, they've got to mute it, they've got to break in. And they said that no presidential candidate will ever go into a debate where they think that there's a chance that the moderator could be against them and cause them to quote unquote lose. They will never take that chance. They just won't participate. And I think that's, I mean, because that's exactly what Trump's going to say. That if he does badly, he's going to be like, well, it's because the moderator was against me. Never mind the fact that he's an asshole. But, you know, <laughs> yes. If you guys are at all surprised about our opinions on Trump, well, you haven't been paying attention. No, I'm not entirely sure why you're here, but um, yeah, I don't, oh God, I'm just... Well, I voted and I got my notice back. Um, I signed up for a thing where you got a notice when it said that your ballot had been mailed to you and then you get it. And then they had secure drop off places in California if you didn't want to mail it. And I got the notice back a couple days ago that it's been received and my vote's been counted. So Good. I'm like, cross your fingers. Yeah. Um, Wait, Nathan you know. and I did early voting uh, last week and it was fine. Everyone was social distancing. They had somebody at the uh, entranceway to the building to only let a certain number of people in at a time. So you didn't have too many people. They were sterilizing all of the voting booths in between. I mean, I tried to march over to a voting booth and someone's like, oh, hang on, why don't you go over to this one here? Because it was the one they'd already sterilized. And Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, that yeah. is so, good. And then, yeah. um, you know, scanned the vote in. I think I was something like 960th voter at that particular oh. location on the first day of voting in our tiny little wow. town. So turnout's been great, I think. Good, good. Apparently, Alabama, the numbers of absentee voters, it's exceeded all records of all time. And we've still got a couple weeks until the election. So that's even Alabama's getting into it, which is good. Yeah. So guys, if you haven't voted yet and you're listening to this, could you just 
Could you just go vote? Could please? you just go vote, please? Yeah, it'd be, be kind of nice. Because it's embarrassing to have a result from an election when, like, only a tiny percentage of eligible voters have actually voted. And I'd rather not have to say that this year with everything that's at stake. Yeah. And if you want to do something to help out, because there's a lot of places where voting lines are super long, and they talk about that's voter suppression if they allow lines to get... I mean, people wait for hours and hours in lines sometimes, and a lot of people just give up. And some people feel that it could be intentional. So uh, there is a group, I just found them today. Their Twitter handle is Pizza to the Polls. Just go to at Pizza to the Polls on Twitter. You can actually... Let them know when you see a really super long line someplace, and they will send pizza to the people who are standing in line. And you can also just go to their website and donate to support pizza to the polls. So that's, um, I think that's really nice. Because, yeah, it's true. If you're standing around in line all day, it'd be nice if somebody came and handed you a little pizza. That'd be awesome. And everybody seemed to be very nice where we were at. I didn't see anybody... Nobody dressed up in camo, coming Mm. armed, trying to intimidate people. That wasn't happening where we were at. And I hope that doesn't happen at all. But, you know, if it does, you know, go look on the ACLU website. They will have resources for places that you can call if you think voter suppression is going on. Because people got to know. Yeah. And I don't have any reason to complain because... They had the list of secure Dropbox locations. You know that new library that just got built right at the end of my street? Oh, yeah? That's where a location was. Yeah, I went for a walk and dropped it off and came back about seven minutes round trip, so I was fine. Yeah, because California was in the news because the GOP was putting up a lot of, I don't know if you can really call them fraudulent um, drop boxes, but a lot of yeah. ones that aren't exactly sanctioned, and I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to accomplish with that? I I don't know. I mean, because I was thinking, God, what if, are they, are they like opening the envelopes and throwing away the ones they don't like? Or um, I just thought maybe it was, apparently a lot of them were in places where GOP people would tend to go, like gun shops and certain hmm. churches. And so maybe it's just kind of the idea, like it's, I don't know, they're just trying to get more Republicans to get the vote in, which I'm like fine you know it's just <laughs> at least if you vote as long as they're not doing something hinky with the actual envelopes i'm okay with that but my fear was is that they're ripping things open and just throwing away things they don't like so so yeah. it's really more a case of in some precincts people have to wait online five six hours and in other places the gop has put in extra boxes so people can just kind of not make any effort at all, I guess? I don't know, because in California, I just, it's all absentee voting, really. I think everybody got mailed a thing, so I don't think we have the lines here that other people have. Huh, okay, um, yeah, I don't that's know. true, because, okay, so the numbers in California, pretty much going up at the same rate they were before, staying, seems going to down be about, a bit? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think our percent positive was going down a little bit, but I think the numbers are still growing and it depends on where you are. And Los Angeles is having a rough time. I don't know. It's looking at the kind of, we had that one big spike back when they first tried to open things up Mm -hmm. and things kind of went back down, but they've never gone down to where they were before. So our numbers are still a little on the scary side, I guess, but I'm staying home. Yep. Same here. Not really Mm -hmm. going out and doing all that much, but mom and dad and Hannah all seem to be fine. Um, They put up a a fire pit in mom and dad's backyard, which I can't wait for the next time we visit because I like me a fire pit. Oh, they're doing it right too. They got some nice pavers for it. And Hannah went out there and totally took out an old pine tree stump to make room for it. I'm like, <laughs> she's hardcore. Really? Oh my God. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, here's a question. So 
and it's okay because mom and dad never listen to this thing. We want to get a Roomba for mom and dad for Christmas, but there are so many of them on the market. I mean, there are so many Roombas and there are so many other brands than Roomba. Um, I don't know if anybody listening to this has a suggestion over a kind they like. I... It's mom and dad have tile floors in the place. It gets a little tracked up because, you know, dad will have his walker and that'll kind of get grunge from outside on the floors. And we kind of want to make it so that it's programmable so that maybe we can avoid the times when dad might be up and around so he doesn't trip on it. Because Hannah's just like, do not underestimate dad's ability to trip on something. <laughs> exactly. I don't suppose. Statement. I mean, they have they're coming out with more and more products for people with mobility issues. And I have to wonder, are there things like the Roomba that is specifically for households where there's someone who has mobility issues? Maybe, maybe. I know that every single picture of a Roomba always shows a picture of a smartphone next to it. So apparently you can program all of them with your phone now. So maybe you can, I don't know. It's got sensors on it. So you apparently it could avoid things you would think. Well, yeah. I mean, you want to be able to have something that if you put it on the second floor of your house it's not going to go skating down the staircase at some point just because it misjudged a turn yeah i told mom that you can program so it would only run at night and mom's like i don't want to hear that thing running at night and i'm like okay that's fine <laughs> well that would probably freak me out a little bit but it would freak the cats out more i think yeah if I, we had something like that i think hannah's looking forward to that she she always she's like sophie the cat is her nemesis you know and so i think she would like it if sophie, sophie was a little freaked out but with hannah's luck sophie will be like that cat wearing the shark costume riding on the room and everything. <laughs> see what That'll i want sophie. I always remember that Tomato Nation essay years ago where oh, yeah. SARS got a Roomba and she decided to set it off when the cats were there, specifically because she wanted to see the cat's reaction. And it started chasing the cats. She couldn't explain it all. It was like she saw it turn around a corner and see the cat and picked up speed. <laughs> And the cats behaved exactly the way you would expect a cat to. Freaked the hell out. But. So yeah, got to do a little more research on that one. Not much else is going on. I have two more episodes left in The Haunting of Hill House, and I'm ah, really nice. enjoying it. But I absolutely agree with what you have said about the fact that every single speech in that series could be half as long. I mean, I can even see the places where you could snip and cut out words that were not necessary to make it shorter. I mean, that whole thing with um, uh, Mr. Dudley in when he's talking oh, about... Yeah. he's That went on for five minutes, I think. Yeah. It didn't need to go on for that long. I think it was Hannah who said about that speech. She was like watching and going like, oh, wow, dude, you are not in the same movie as everybody else. I don't know what movie you're in. <laughs> But it's not the same as everybody else. I mean, it's very well delivered, but it's too long. It's, it's too, really long. too it, long. It's really a matter of writing and possibly yeah. directing. I mean, the actors are giving it their all. I have no problem with any of the acting. Uh, Maybe Steve. Maybe Steve. He's I, not I don't the know. strongest. I, he's not been given the best character, I think, that actor. Also true. He's, yes, he's, also true. He's really, really judgy, more so than Shirley, which is saying a lot. Yeah, boy, Shirley is awfully judgy. I don't know. Ugh. But yeah, there's a, a speech that's going to come up where Steve's in the car with his dad. I think it's the perfect example of a speech that went on too long. I'm just like sort of half paying attention to it. And I suddenly look up the screen. I'm like, how, how long has he been talking? Oh, my God. <laughs> It's really bad, but anyway, yeah. I, 
I did enjoy it more. I feel like the second half, I enjoyed it more the second time around because I think the bar had been set pretty low for me. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious about The Haunting of Bly Manor because it's made by the same group with some of the actors. Yeah. And it got a pretty good, it's like 7.7 or something on IMDb, which is not bad, but it could be, I don't know, the friends and family of the actors all voting it up. I'm not sure, but that's a pretty respectable score. So I'm going to check it out. But the other thing that we watched is last night we did another one of our tri-state watch parties, and we watched, what is it, the 1951, The Thing from mm-hmm. Another World? Yep. Love that movie. I so adore good. that movie. I, and one thing that I really, really love about it is the dialogue, how it just mm-hmm. kind of pops and snaps and moves along at this rapid-fire pace. And you pointed out that even the people in the background are still acting. They still yeah. have some bit of business that they're doing, chatting with each other, moving along, whatever. And it's just it's wonderful. It just makes the movie move by so quickly. And I love the interactions between the girl and the captain. And she's just obviously she's done something to him at some point which she thought was hilarious and he didn't think it was funny but I just I like that dynamic when the guy is mad at the girl but he really really likes her and she knows that because he's kind of coming at her and it's the whole like you know temper temper you know it's just (laughs) I really like their dynamic it's very sexy for I mean you would think 1951 you get this idea in your head that they wouldn't do sexy they do sexy really well I mean there's she he convinces him to let her tie his hands behind his back so that they can have a conversation and a drink without him getting all handsy again. It's really hot. Yeah, it's very hot. It's really <laughs> I liked it. But then, actually, the monster is legitimately scary. There's a moment when he's silhouetted in an open door. I'm like, that's freaking frightening. That's very frightening, especially when they open a door and he's standing right there and takes a swing at him. I mean, just out of nowhere. But then it comes right back to the humor, though. The photographer, Scotty, who's been trying to get a picture the whole time the captain asked him did you get a picture he's like no i too fast and you were in the way you want me to open the door again no <laughs> i also like what's fun about these is we have our little conversation with hannah and nathan usually with mom too but we actually were on the wrong thread for this one so whoops <laughs> hannah was the one who pointed it out they've got the door barricaded at the back and they're waiting for the monster waiting for the monster and the monster opens the door by pulling it open and Hannah's like you had it barred the wrong way (laughs) Nathan pointed that out he was like they didn't really barricade that very well. The door was opening the other way. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. I wish I don't know that I would have ever noticed without those guys pointing it out, but that was hilarious. It was very That's funny. A good watch. That's a really fun watch. And I don't do the, what is it? Is it John Carpenter? Did he do the other thing? Or um, Oh, um, my God. Yeah, I've seen the It's other. not Carpenter. It is, is it? Carpenter. Um, yeah. Is it? Okay. Oh, All right. Yeah. yeah. That one's kind of gross with the monster that grows out of the head and then grows out of the torso and everything. That bothered me. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. That, that, that's over that line for me. I don't know where that line is always, but that one's over it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember reading some trivia, you know, when they're dealing with the one infected person and a big mouth opens up in his chest and bites somebody's hands off. They had somebody who was a double amputee take the place of the actual actor so that they would snap the uh, hands off without having to do any like weird business with the arms, whatever. And they, they counted on it being such a shocking moment that nobody would notice it wasn't the same actor, and they were absolutely right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So they had the San Diego International Film Festival this weekend, and because the newspaper is one of the sponsors, 
I got a pass and it was all done virtual this year. Normally you would go out and see all these movies and whatever. But of course this year they just kind of had like a virtual village where you would go to different virtual houses and watch what was going on. And I watched a bunch of shorts. They were comedy shorts. No, they were comedy, fantasy, and science fiction shorts, but all made during quarantine about the quarantine. Hmm. And there were some better than others, but, you know, all definitely fun. But then today I watched a whole series of animation ones, and I don't know if any of them are going to be good enough to hit for the animated shorts in the Oscars this year. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to call it now. I don't think so. There were two that I really enjoyed. There was one called Her Boat, which was in an anime style that I really particularly liked. So if you can look that one up at some point, I like that. And there was another one at the very end. I think it was called For For Gerald, I think it was. And it was actually done by DreamWorks. And it's about a guy who was fascinated by a magician when he was a kid, but he's an adult and he never got into it. He's actually like a post office person or something. But I thought the style of animation was good. I liked how they animated the girl's face. But my question is, what is it with these animated shorts that so many of them are about death? I (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. Wasn't it last year's? Oscar-nominated shorts that so many of them were really dark? I guess. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I guess it's because, you know, you've got to, in order to make these animated things, it's so much time and effort, and you've got to pour your heart and soul into it. And I guess it takes some kind of passion and some type of feeling to do that. But, my God, so many of them, the mother died, the father died, the uncle died. I was like, oh, oh God. God. It's bumming me out but um yeah i don't know it was i was glad i got a chance to watch some of those but i'm just gonna go ahead and make the prediction now since isn't it so weird it's only going to be like three and a half more months and we're going to have the oscar nominations i know and it's so So weird because we actually watched the oscar nominated shorts at the alamo draft house so that would have been right before quarantine Mm -hmm. got started oh it feels like another world now strange but yeah so but i'm gonna call it now i don't know that any of them that i saw because i saw all the ones that were in their little collection i don't think any of them are going to make it into the oscars i mean kudos to all the people who got part of an international film festival for crying out loud but just did a guess but i guess that's going to wrap us up for the week so make sure to check out pixladygeek.com for all the book reviews the movie reviews the comic book reviews not the photo galleries yet, but I do like the idea of us doing a Lost Light Fest photo gallery once November hits, because I'm seeing a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah, every time one of those pops up on my Twitter feed, it's I just like it. I love the yeah. energy that is coming out of these things, because this is people just choosing to draw characters that they love for this yeah. little challenge. Yeah, it's, it's really a lot of amazing stuff, and I found a lot of amazing artists outside of the Lost Light Fest. I was following this one person, and then I went into her likes, and I found so many. It's like this rabbit hole of amazing artwork that I'm finding. I'm like, oh, keep going, guys. I, I just love all of it. I'll just consume all the things. But anyway, all that and more, pixladygeek.com. So no Night Vale next week. Well, we have the live show next week, which we need to remember to watch. Yes, that's right. Not like a month later, like we did the last time. I think so. it's actually going to be happening on on the 24th is that sound about right maybe i don't know not sure so yeah sure we, we might actually be able to watch that and then record a quick 
recap podcast about it in time for our usual episode, or we might have to just do a random fan art post. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yes. Yes. We will do one of those things or maybe something different because we're specific. So (laughs) one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. cycle for a second there. Okay, I think it's gone.